following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. We're in this series throughout the summer on following Jesus, and it's been a really cool series. It's one of the best series we've ever done, maybe the best one. I've really been loving this. It's actually looking at the main things. If you're a Christ follower, if you want to learn what it means to follow Jesus, we're looking at the main things that it takes to be a follower of Jesus. And we looked at some of the big topics, and we, we saw, um, you know, throughout the stories in the Bible, uh, we see a, a situation come up again and again and again. It's people living their lives. They think it's the life that they want. But then they meet Jesus and they realize this is not the life that I want. That is the life that I want. And then they begin living the life that they really want. And I want to talk to you today about the life that you really want. I mean the best life, the ultimate life. The, the life that you really want. Uh, the word has a lot to say. In fact, Jesus, when he appeared on the scene, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the life. The life. Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not one of the ways. I'm not one of the truths. I'm not one of the, I am the way, the truth. It's a profound statement. It's an amazing statement. And People who discovered Jesus discovered this life that they wanted. I mean, the Bible is full of stories of people. When they discovered Jesus, they discovered the life that they wanted. The Bible is full of those stories. In life, we're full of those stories. And I know this to be true because I'm speaking to you today as one of these stories. I'm one of these stories. I'm one of the people living a life that, that I, was, I thought I was living the life that I wanted. I really did until I met Jesus. And I realized, no, I want that life. And then God has been giving me that life as I'm walking with him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible is full of those stories. Life is full of those stories. I am one of those stories. Are you one of those stories? Can I get a witness? Amen. I hope you are. And if not, I hope you're open to it because God has an amazing life. And we're going to look at that life today. Um, You know, if you want to open your Bible, John 15 is where we're going to pick this up, talking about the life that you want. I just want to recap, last week, Pastor Dan did a great job talking about perseverance. Uh, If you missed it, it's on YouTube, it's on iTunes, and it's on our website. But great job on perseverance. We were talking about, in life, we go through these things and how we persevere. And I just want to continue a little bit on the theme of some of these struggles in life that we have. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes the hardest thing about the struggle is the question, why, right? You go through a tough time and you're like, why? Can I get a show of hands? Do you ever ask that? I mean, that's, that's sometimes the biggest thing. There's the struggle and the big golden question, why am I going through what I'm going through? Amen? This is a big part of life. Today, we're going to look at a little bit of some of this. We can't crack the entire subject, but to have the life you want, you're going to go through stuff. And it's really important to kind of figure out why we do. And I would just say, in summary, um, the first, there's why we go through it, and there's how we go through tough times. Because if you want to have the life that that you want, uh, there's going to be things coming up you have to navigate. And the question why, I want to touch on very briefly, we're going to focus on the how, not the why, but I want to look at why. Sometimes, sometimes we go through what we go through because of our own choices, just simply because 
of our own choices. There's this golden rule that God put in place when he spoke the universe into creation, and it's a law. It's a law that won't go away. Until we see him face to face, this law will not go away, and every human being on planet Earth is subject to this law, and it is a law of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping. The law that God put in place and applies to all humanity is if you put this in the ground, that's what you will grow, okay? If we put good seed in the ground, we grow good things. If we put bad seed in the ground, we grow bad things. If we forget to put seed in the ground, we get nothing. And we wonder why sometimes in life, how come there's not this or how come sometimes it's simply, the answer is choices, reaping, and sowing. Does that make sense? Uh, We're waiting for a harvest. There's no harvest. Well, did we put anything in the ground? No. Oh, okay, well, maybe that's why. Or why do I got these weeds? Well, when they started coming up, did we pull them? No, it's a reaping and sowing. Did we put good things back? Some of the things in life that we go through are simply a matter of choices, reaping and sowing. Sometimes, sometimes, it's spiritual in nature and it's spiritual opposition. The Bible's got a lot to say. I can't uncover it completely today or unpack it, but the Bible says, be aware of the enemy's devices And the battles that we fight are not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. The Bible says there's a lot of things also besides choices, reaping and sowing, which is a a big chunk of it. Some of these things simply have to do with the spiritual nature of the world we're living in and you and I needing to learn how to engage spiritual things with the spiritual resources that God has given us in the spirit of God, not with our own flesh and blood. And that's very, very important. And sometimes the obstacles that we're dealing with are those exactly. They're not the reaping and sowing. They're spiritual in nature. However, there's a third one, and it's a main one. Sometimes we're going through something simply because God is doing a work. Simply because God... It had nothing to do with your reaping and sowing. It had nothing to do with spiritual warfare. Let's not blame the devil for everything bad. Got fired from the job. The devil did it. No, he didn't. You show up late enough times, you lose the job. No, it's not always that there's things that we do, you know, that we can't blame the devil for everything. But the fact is, reaping and sowing is a big part of it. Spiritual warfare is a big part of it. Sometimes God is simply doing a work. And you and I are going through something, and we don't know why we are, but God is the one who is doing the work. And I really want to focus on that today. If you want to have the life that you want, you got to let God do his work in you. You have to let him. My experience with God from the earliest of days is God is not heavy-handed and has not forced me to do anything. He didn't make me come to him. He hasn't forced me to do anything. I'm an agent of free will. I'm a child that he loves. And although he encourages and leads us this way, we can make choices along the way to follow him or walk away from him. And the, the point is, along the way in your journey with God, you have to let God do the work. He wants to conform you and transform you and me. We have to let him. Some people say no, and they don't let God. Listen, if you want to have the life you want, in fact, that's the first point this morning, if you're a note taker, um, to have the life that I want, I need to let God do his work. You got to let God do his work in your life. And if you're opposed to that, if you, and I was too for many years, I understand this completely. No, I don't want God to do work because what if he, he does the wrong kind of work? What if he does a bad surgery? You know, what if it comes out the wrong way? Uh, what if he makes me someone I don't want to be? These are all valid things that we think of naturally. I found that 
to be a lie, all of those things, that God knows what he's doing. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knows the plans he has for you. They're, They're not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. They're to prosper you. God knows what's best. The question is, will we let him do his work? Because if, if we will let him do his work, this is where the life that you want begins. You can't have it unless you let God, and believe me, this is something we can go along with or we can fight. Philippians 2.3 says, 2.13 says this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. God wants to work inside of you. You gotta know this, family. God wants to work in you and through you to fulfill all the good work that he wants to do in this world. God wants to work in you and through you to fulfill it. That means God wants to work in and through. If God wants to work in you and through you, in me and through me, we have to let him do his work. This is where the life that you want begins because every single day we can wake up and say, "Mm, I'm not feeling like it today. It's very real. Or we can say, all right, God, not my will, yours be done. I want this life that I want and you know what's best. Here you go. Start shaping me, molding me. Whatever you work you want to do, God, I'm not going to fight you on the work. I say this because some of the things we go through in life are not the reaping and sowing situation. It has nothing to do with a spiritual oppression. It has to do with God doing a work, shaping and molding and conforming us. And, and sometimes we go through these things and that's the source of it. I, I would suggest to you, you'll never have the life you want unless you let God do his work. I really believe that to be true because God knows us better than we know ourselves. In fact, we can't even know who we really are until we know who he is. And it's so important we let him do his work. But today I want to focus on the main, the main question is how, how we live this life we want when we go through some of this stuff, some of this stuff, God's doing a work and he's shaping us and ouch and, you know, it can be limiting or seem constraining or it can seem like God is trimming things or God is doing something and how do you and I navigate this to have um, the life that we want? Um, John 15, if you want to turn there, we're going to look at this passage I believe this passage is one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament. Um, This is a passage that changed my life. Uh, When I became a believer, I was in the faith for about six months, and I realized um, I'm seeing something in the faith, in the family of believers. I'm seeing some people that seem to be living the life. They know Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And they seem to be living the life, and it, it seems like in their life, there is the fruit on display. There's this fruit that they're really living the life, a full life in God, like full life on display. And then some others sometimes didn't seem to have a whole lot of fruit going on. And that's not a critique or a judgment. That's an observation. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. Okay, so fruit is an observation. Jesus said it would be an observation. And I wondered, wonder why, if we all say yes to Jesus, how come some have a lot of fruit or a little fruit or not so much fruit. And I didn't really know. It was a spiritual, like a valid question. And I discovered this passage. And this passage is profound. I hope it speaks to you today as much as it speaks to me still. Um, and some uh, messages, they, they call this the true vine. They, they, there's different phrases your Bible will put in there. But I would almost say it's the secret. 
It's a secret because I discovered this secret. I didn't know it until I found it, and I'm like, wow, this is really legit. The secret of the vine, how God works, and how you and I have the life that we really want. And we're going to look at it in sections. John 15 starts like this in verse 1. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus starts out this passage saying, I am the vine, the true vine. These are one of the I am statements Jesus made. Originally, the first time we heard I am, we hear it in the Old Testament where Moses meets with God in the burning bush. And he's like, who are you? What is your name? You know, Abraham and Isaac knew God and they referred to the Lord God, but they didn't know his personal name. What's your name, God? The name of God had not ever been revealed yet. And to Moses, God says, you want to know my name? I am. It's Hebrew for Yahweh. It's the best pronunciation we can come up with for that. They didn't have vowels back in the day. Yahweh. Who are you, God? What's your name? Yahweh. I am. I am who am. That's who I am. I was, I am, I will be, I am always. You need to know that in your life, God is the great I am. Can I get an amen to that? He's the great I am. He's with you always. He'll never leave or forsake you. He's I am. So Jesus is on this discourse, and if you follow along in John's gospel, he's been using this phrase that only God can use, but Jesus is God the Son. There's Jehovah the Father, Jehovah the Son. He's the Son of God. He's walking the streets. He's talking. He's representing the Father and everything, and he is Using this word again, I am. I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. He's, he's all these I am statements. And today he says, I am, I am the true vine. The listeners know exactly in context of their culture what he's saying. And this is a profound statement. And he's saying, I am the true vine. The vine you need to know quite simply, the vine is the source of life. The vine is the source of life. And this is it. We can't have life outside of Jesus. Not really. Outside of Jesus, we're only halfway living or halfway dying. We can exist but not really live. Jesus is the vine. And not only is he the vine the, the source of life, he's the true vine, the true vine, which means there are counterfeits. There are other sources, alleged sources of life, that if you come this way, you will have that. If you come this way, I can show you that. There's been alternatives and counterfeits throughout history, and Jesus says, yeah, I'm familiar with their claims. The Bible says there are no other gods, for if there were, wouldn't I know. Isn't that cool? Isn't that, come on, that's cool. From God's standpoint, looking around the whole globe, universe, yep, just in case you're wondering, there are no other gods for I would know if there were, and there's not. Okay, there are false vines, there are false sources where people get their identity, and uh, maybe if I do this, I'll be happy, or I'll try this, and maybe I'll be happy, and they're searching for answers in life, and where to plug into, and these are all other vines, they're all other alleged life sources, and Jesus is like, I'm the true one. You want to know, I am the life source for everyone. Come to me, all of you who are weary and have the I am the source of life. That's been his claim all along, and that's what he's saying right here. He's the true vine. Jesus is the vine. The question is, is he your vine? He is the true vine. Is he your vine? Because this is where life begins. If you want to have the life you've always wanted, and I, I would have to say about the vine, we're either in the vine or we're out of the vine. 
you're either in the vine with Jesus or you're out of the vine. There is no 50-50. I'm kind of half in the vine. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, you could be walking down the street and have one on the sidewalk and one on the street. Uh, that might work if, if you want. But when it comes to life with Jesus, there is no either one. You're either in the vine or you're out of the vine. We can't go, well, he's kind of rubbing off on me or I'm kind of open to the idea. That's the way it works with Jesus the vine, not 50-50. Some like the idea of being attached to the vine but are not actually attached. Now, in the passage, the father is the gardener. The father is the gardener. And we are in his garden. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Okay, the earth is the Lord. We're in his garden. The father is the gardener and he's got one main desire, one main desire, fruit in your life, fruit, great, great fruit in your life. That's the father's desire. He's the gardener. Jesus is the vine, the true source of life, plugging, connecting in with him. The father's desire is all kinds of fruit in your life. Now, I'd like to ask you just to do this with me for a second. If you would just close your eyes for a minute. And just think right now, if your life was overwhelmed with the fruit of God, overflowing in every kind of area, just close your eyes and just try to get an image of what that might look like, the fruit. What is the overflowing effect? If God God blew it up in your life and there was so much fruit overflowing from your life that you're looking back at your life in 20 years from now and you're like, wow, look at all of that. Now, please get a picture of that. And do you have a picture of it? You guys see what that looks like a little bit? Yeah, if you do, hold on to it. You know why? Because that's the life you want right there. That, what you just saw, whatever that, that is the life that you want because that's the life you were made for. That's the life you were made for and that's the life you should want. And if you're not looking at that life, you're trying to do something else outside of the true life source and you will never have the life that you want outside of Jesus. But that picture, the fruition, the fruit, the things that God wants to do on display through you, that is the life you need to be aiming at and looking at. The father's the gardener. His one desire is fruit like that. And because he wants so much fruit in your life, because he wants so much fruit, he has to do this thing called cultivating. He's got to take care of his garden. He's got to do things to to kind of shape and to mold and to trim and to prop up into nutrients in the soil. He's, he's got to do these things to get the fruit out of you and me. And this is the part I'm talking about. When we go through things in life, there are some things that are as a result of our reaping and sowing. We sowed the wrong, sowed the wrong thing, we're reaping the wrong thing. Or we didn't sow and we're not reaping. Some things are in that category. Some are in the category of spiritual warfare and there's really some legit resistance, push and pull going on in the spirit realm. But there are many, many other things that are simply God doing a work or wanting to do a work in your life because he's in the cultivating business and he's trying to cultivate you and I so that we can have all kinds of fruit on display. That picture of your future, of fruition on display, it is the heart of God. As we connect with Jesus, the life source, that's what it looks like. That's the aim. And the Father is in this business. Now, the Bible is using this term pruning, pruning. That doesn't sound very good. Pruning doesn't sound good. If I said to you this morning, come on up front row, how many of you would like to get pruned today? How many? Nobody, right? Now, it doesn't sound good. It does not sound good. Nobody wants to be pruned. 
The Father knows what takes for fruit, but no one wants to be pruned. In fact, when we think of pruning, it sounds like uh, we're being either cut back or trimmed or cleaned up or tuned up in some kind of way. Something's getting cut away. In some way. It sounds kind of limiting, doesn't it? Being pruned, it's not, and, and no one wants to be limited. We like to add things to our life, not take away. That's the human nature of, of humanity. But, but it sounds a little limiting. Let me just tell you something. Limiting can be really good. You look at two bodies of water. One is this wide, wide, wide lake. But the water's not moving. So it's all green. It's all stagnant. It's not giving life to anyone. It's not doing anything good. But it's a lot of water with no limits. You take that same type of body of water and you start putting some limits on it. And you put some edges on it. And you start bringing it in. And all of a sudden, what you've done is you've transformed that massive amount of water with river banks, with banks to a river. You bring it in closer and closer. And that becomes a mighty rushing river. It's shaping stones. It's creating energy and fresh water for all kinds of people. It is a life-giving source. Why? Because it has limits. Limits are good. That same water with no limits turns to just a big, stagnant pond. Limits can be good, and I believe that's the case in our life when God is, God is pruning us. Um, you know, the same is true, for example, with a rocket ship. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys followed the news last week about SpaceX. Anybody hear about that, SpaceX? I think we have a picture of what happened last week, unfortunately. Um, SpaceX launched a rocket. Here's the thing with a rocket. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I know this much about rockets. The only way a rocket is going to do what it was meant to do is if it has what's called a controlled burn. Would you say that? Controlled burn. Control. It's got to have a controlled burn. See, it's got all this fuel and all this cool stuff inside and the intention and design. But if it doesn't have a controlled burn, poof, this is what you get. It's got to have limits. We're going to burn this much now. We're going to save this for later. We're gonna, then we're going to go to this state. We're going to burn this much later. And then if we do it that way, it goes into orbit, does all kinds of great things. And nowadays, they're even bringing the fuel cells back to recycle them, which is super cool. But when it's not a controlled burn, that's what you have. We have another picture of one that is a controlled burn. And this is what your life is supposed to be like. This one. Your life is supposed to be the controlled burn. Your life is supposed to be the one limited and trimmed and and tuned up and shaped, not some just thing that goes across and blows up. You ever blow up those balloons and let them go and they... They just go out. You can't, you can't even catch them. They're just it, right? That's not supposed to be our life. Our life is supposed to be this way, a controlled burn that takes off on a mission, visual, God gets the glory, not a flash in the pan, a controlled burn in stages. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to have the life that we want, like the second rocket ship, we have to let God prune, limit, cut back. This is what he needs to do. He's in the cultivating business. We'll never have the fruit we want unless we let God do his work. It's really important to do that. So what does the pruning look like when God's pruning in your life? What does it look like? Well, it can look like a lot of different things. It just depends on what God is pruning. What does God have to cut back? What does he need to limit in your life and in mine, in the different stages of life? God's saying, well, that was good for then, but there's going to be more fruit now than before. So since there's going to be more fruit, I got to do a new work in you. I got to do something new that wasn't done before. What does the pruning look like? Uh, It can vary. If there's uh, things, first of all, it says if there's no fruit, 
If there's an area in our life where there is no fruit, God cuts it away. Maybe you can look at your past and think of the, some of the things that were in your life from your past and go, yep, God had to cut them away. Can I get an amen on that? Just, there's no fruit in that. There's no future in it. It's not going to benefit you now or later. God's like, yeah, let's just cut that one off and leave that one behind. This is what he's talking about. Some things just get cut off. There's no fruit. Leave it behind. But there's other things that he wants to do a greater work so he prunes for a better reason. If there's pride in our life, pride, he sometimes puts us through a circumstance. It's not reaping and sowing. Don't blame the devil. God is doing a work because he's trying to humble us so he can get us ready for the next level of fruit. Does that make sense? It's not a reaping and sowing. Don't say, why is this happening to me? And what, look what the devil's doing. No, it's a humbling experience because the pride needed to go away. God can never build with pride. He never has. He never will. He'll never build with pride. In fact, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And if we humble ourselves in his sight, he lifts us up. Humility is a key ingredient to fruition. And if it's something with pride, God's like, yeah, I gotta get rid of that. I, I love you so much and I want so much fruit in your life but you can't, hold the pride, you can't hold the fruit with pride. So, so sometimes there's something that humbles us. Sometimes um, we have our trust in the wrong things. We have our trust in the wrong sources. Sometimes instead of putting our trust in the true vine, we're trusting in things or money or jobs or whatever it might be. And as, as, as good as it is to be productive, God's like, yeah, I don't want your trust to be in stuff. I want your trust to be in me. Sometimes thing needs, things need to go away so that God says, do you trust me? Can I be your source? Do you see how he does that? Only because he wants fruit. Only because he wants fruit. And then sometimes, this is saying, the things in your life that actually do bear fruit, that do bear fruit. Sometimes he's trimming those. And this is where it gets confusing, or it can if we don't understand the secret of the vine. The secret of the vine is this. God loves you. His aim is truckloads of fruit in your life. And even the things that bear fruit God trims, and that's where we have the big question mark. Why? Why, God? Why would you do that, right? Because we don't understand when it bears fruit why God would ever trim or cut or limit or hinder anything. We don't get it. Jesus is telling us why. Because if you let me do this, this very same thing that was on display, the fruit that is good, it's gonna be multiplied, God's not into just addition. He's into multiplication. We serve the God of multiplication. God wants to multiply fruit in your life. And that's what he does. He wants to do it. It says right here for more fruit, for more fruit. Um, years ago, I may have shared this story with you. We have a, had a gardener um, at our old house and we had these roses in the backyard, a whole row against the back fence, full sun roses. And they did pretty good back there. And I came home one day and I was stunned. I was shocked. What happened is, chainsaw, all the way down low, all of them, poof, done, all of them, just toast. I came home, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm thinking, we pay this guy for this, you know? Um, I have to admit, it was the mow and blow. You know, sometimes for the 50 bucks a month, that's all you get, mow and blow. You don't get anything else. And once a year, you get the chainsaw. Anybody relate to that? That's what you get for 50 bucks a month. You get the mow and blow with the once a year chainsaw. And I came out and I'm like, You've got to be kidding me. I'm going, these poor things are done. They were beautiful. But what I did realize, even though he didn't do it the right way, and by the way, God doesn't use the chainsaw method with us, okay? Thank God. What I realized is when those were cut to that extreme, 
what happened that winter while they're dormant is the roots went further, they went deeper, they went wider. And in the spring, I could not believe the kind of roses we got out of this thing. It was amazing. These roses were just blowing up everywhere because the roots went deeper and they went wider and they were even all uniform the way they were growing. Listen, pruning doesn't make sense at the time and why would you cut something fruitful? And the father says, because I want to multiply fruit in your life. And that's something, if you don't understand that secret, that truth, you're going to tighten your fist and go, why? And we're not, we're not called as sons and daughters to go, why? We're called to say, God, I don't have to understand it. I want you to have your work. Do your work, God. Do your work in me. I don't want to close my fist. I want to, oh, whatever work you want to do, do the work in me, God. This is what it, what it takes. And so he's doing this stuff so that there's more fruit. Uh, it says in Philippians 1.6, we have for up here, it says this, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The, the, the God, the, the loving God who's doing a work in you is going to complete it. It's going to be more fruit. There's going to be pruning along the way. There might seem like limitations or, or setbacks, but let God do his work because he's going to complete and there's going to be a more glorious display of fruition in your life if, if you let God do his work. Sometimes in God's economy, he uses subtraction for the purpose of multiplication. God uses subtraction for the purpose of multiplication. That doesn't make sense in our natural economy, but in God's economy, it does. He has to subtract some things so he can multiply things. And you gotta know that if the Father is, is, is cultivating you, then pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not punishment. It's the promise of things to come. That's what pruning is. When the Father is pruning you and I, he's doing it because he loves us. It's not punishment. It's to, it's to multiply things to come. And so we need to know that so that when you're going through some things that are in this category of God's cultivation, that we don't fight God, that we let him do his work so that we can have the life that we really want, which is a truckload of fruition uh, for God's glory. It moves on in verse three and it says this, uh, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Couple of key things that everyone has to get as a take home from right here. You might want to underline it. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No one can bear fruit by itself. You and I, apart from the true vine, can try all we want to be kind, to be loving, to, get, to just have a life on display. We're not gonna have the fruition of God, his glory, his kingdom, his love, his power on display outside of the vine. We can't do it on our own. This, this is important. We can't bear fruit by itself. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, nothing that's gonna matter in the big scope. Nothing that matters in the sense of God's fruition. So I cannot do it alone. Come to terms with that. I cannot do it alone. Because if we think we can, we disconnect from the vine, thinking we can do life and fruition our way. And we're gonna find out, guess what? There's no fruit out there. I had lived out there long enough. I know there's no fruit out there. Can I get an amen on that? There's no fruit out there, family. The fruit is in the vine. The fruit is in the vine. Without Jesus... We won't have that life. 
So the job of the branch, the job of the branch, which is our job, is simply to be an extension of the vine. That's our job, to be an extension of the vine, to stay connected to the vine. If you and I stay connected to the vine, then the life that is in the vine will come out of us. That's our job, is just to be a branch. The problem is when you and I try to be the vine, it doesn't work really good. Or we try to do it on our own. It does. But if we simply be the branch, connected to Jesus, this is where all, everything comes from. Uh, whatever's in the vine comes out of us. We don't have to manufacture or create any kind of fruit because we can't. We simply get to be the distributors of the fruit. Whatever we're connected to in the vine comes out of us and we get to give it away. <laughs> How cool is that? You get to give it away. The fruit of God up and through your life, flowing out of you, this is God's design, and you get to give it away, and you don't even make it. It's the work of God flowing through you. It's, it's, the, it's the heart of Jesus, the things of the Spirit of God, the fruition of God flowing through your life, giving it away, and I hope you held on to that picture of what it looks like in the future, but hopefully you had a picture of that. Fruit, 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 more fruit and more fruit, just blessing and giving away and being a life source to so many around you That's really the life you want. I guarantee if you live that kind of life, when you check out of this life as we know it, you will check out with a big old smile on your face. There are many people that pursued the life they think they wanted that did not check out of this life with a smile on their face. There are many that pursued all kinds of things and riches and fame and glory and all kinds of things and even achieved it, but they don't check out of this life with a smile on their face. It's the ones who get to bear fruit for the glory of God that you're like, wow, that was an amazing ride, you know? That was awesome, God. Um, So the key to a fruitful life, second point this morning, if you want to jot it down, uh, learning to abide is the key to the life that you want. This one changed my life. Learning to abide. Everyone say abide. It means remain. Abide, remain. Learning to abide in Jesus. Learning how to stay connected to Jesus. Learning how to stay with him uh, is the key to the fruition in our lives, on our part. That's our job. The branch's job is to stay connected. That's, that's really it. We don't have a whole lot more to do. We're not responsible for the roots, the this, the nutrients, God's doing that. Jesus is saying, the fruit, stay connected. Would you remain in me? Would you abide in me? Because learning to abide is the key to the life you want. In fact, it says it 11 times in 11 verses. Remain in me, abide in me. This is key. It says it over and over again. I'm the true life source, your branch. Stay with me, remain in me, abide in me, and this is where the life is going to come from. So this is really important. Uh, what does it look like? Remaining in Jesus, abiding in Jesus is the opposite of abiding in our flesh. It's the opposite of abiding in my feelings. Well, this is the way I feel, so that's just what I'm going to... No, that's not abiding in Jesus. That's abiding in our flesh, abiding in our feelings, uh, abiding in our own understanding. That's not abiding with Jesus. And so what, what we need to do is we need to discover in our lives what disconnects you from abiding with Jesus. What, what seems to disconnect you? When you get way out here in the flesh or your feelings or something... You're, what, what is it that's disconnecting you from that life with Jesus? Because this is where the fruit is, and out here it's not. And we go through things, we get a little out of orbit. Sometimes we're like, wait a second, I'm not remaining. I've got to get in step with Jesus again. Has anybody ever done that where you go, right, I've got to get back in step with Jesus? Okay, what's knocking us out? It's important to identify that and kind of come to terms with that kind of stuff. What disconnects you uh, from the vine? 
Because what I found about this, and it was an amazing revelation, um, when it comes to bearing fruit, guys, it's not about working harder. Bearing fruit is not working harder. It's being more intimate with Jesus. Bearing fruit is not working harder. And that's baffling because everything else in life is about working harder for more fruit. Everything in life. But in the kingdom of God, intimacy with Jesus is the life source of the fruition, not working harder. It's amazing to me. Um, He says in uh, verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. This is a profound statement. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. One thing he's saying, the proof of being a disciple, no matter what people say, the fruit, I mean, the the evidence of being a disciple is fruit. It's not, well, I know this or I've studied that or I learned that or I've been in the faith. The evidence he's saying so that the world show proof that you're my disciple is fruit. So this fruit thing is a big deal. And, um, you know, we may have ideas of what it takes to abide with Jesus, but I'm just telling you, being intimate with him is where it comes from. And he has something to say about what that intimacy looks like and how we obtain that intimacy. One of them is his words, the words of Jesus remaining in us. Literally the words of, this is amazing guys, but if we get the words of Jesus in us, Jesus is saying, you're staying connected to me. The problem is we listen to all kinds of stuff, hear all kinds of things throughout the day and sometimes not getting the word in us. It's hard to remain in him if you're just listening to the news all day or listening to your, you know, whatever, just, you know, iTunes all day long. That's, you know, fine. There's a place for stuff. But if that's our download 24-7 and we're not in his word, then we're not getting that word in us and we're not abiding too well. He is saying that if my words remain in you, if you stay connected to me, listen to what he says, if if you're abiding in me and my words are in you, then he makes this off-the-chart promise right here. He says this, when my word is in you, your prayers are gonna go to a whole nother level. Let me tell you something, this is the life you want. Your prayers will go to a whole nother level when we're abiding. Availeth much are the prayers of the righteous, the Bible says. The ones that are walking intimately with God, they have powerful prayers. If you have friends in your life that have a close walk with God, you might be praying for something. Ask them, hey, would you pray for me? Ask them. Because when you're walking close and intimate with God, when you're remaining with God, the prayer level just gets escalated and goes to another level. Jesus is saying that right here. Um, He's saying that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, in this context, being connected, then ask. Go ahead and ask. Go ahead and pray and ask when you come from this place of being connected with the word in you. And so the power about this, guys, and this is really a powerful um, revelation, I think, is this. Jesus is talking about his words inside of us, his words inside of us, and talking about when that kind of prayer comes out of our life, it's answered. Here's a safe way to pray, a powerful way to pray, a proven way to pray, I think, according to what Jesus is. Start praying the word. Start praying the word. Start praying what the word says. Because he's saying, if you get my words in you, the words of Jesus, you get the the scripture in you and you start asking stuff when you're filled with the scripture, first of all, you pray differently. But those kind of prayers, God's like, yes, you are already praying my will 
and he says, I'm going to do it. Prayers go to a whole nother level. Third point this morning is learn to pray the word and receive the promise of answered prayer. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm not making this up. Get my word in you. Stay with me. Get my word in you and then ask and watch what happens. That's a, that's a beautiful promise. Beautiful promise. You know, I just want to um, wrap up this passage. I don't have time to unpack this all. In fact, this would be good if the worship team comes up. But guys, jot these few things down. This is the life you want. You want the life of a truckload of fruit. You want the life connected to Jesus, the true life source. You want to have answered prayer. Do you not? These are kind of things that you want. This is what Jesus is answering. He's the life. He's saying, I'm offering the life. Stay connected with me. And you're going to have a fruition, a level of life that you could never have on your own. But we don't have on time to pack all these things. But I'll tell you what he does say, moving down. If you abide in Jesus, some of the life you can have. Um, he, he just says in verses 9 through 16, the love. The love of Jesus. Think of how much love he has. He's like, if you abide, then you're going to get some of his love inside of you to flow out. The kind of love we can never make up on our own. If you abide, the love of Jesus in you. That's amazing. Verse 11 says the joy of Jesus in you. How many would like a little more joy? Okay. The joy of Jesus in you. By connecting to Jesus, these are the fruits that come out. It goes on in verse 15 and says the revelation, the revelation of Jesus. Making things known, he's talking about. What? Yeah, if you stay connected to me, you're going to know more. We all want to know more, especially the unknowable spiritual things that happen regularly where God's like, I see that and I know that. The joy, the love, the revelation, all of these things are there. And I might be mistaken, but I trust that this is the life that you want. I know it's the life that I want. And if you are not sure, if, if you're some part of you is like, I'm not sure if that's the life I'm supposed to have or not, I just want to close with the very last verse, verse 16. We're going to just jump down there. And you need to know this about your loving father. This is what he's saying about you today for everyone in this room today. He says, he's saying this, listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The Father's saying, I love you so much. I chose you before you chose me. And here's the mission. Bear truckloads of fruit that's gonna last. And if you let me do my work, if you let me do the work I wanna do, if you choose to be a branch and remain in Jesus, you're gonna have the life you want. You're gonna have the life with an overflow. You're gonna be the kind of life that gives life. Because the life of Jesus is going to flow out of you. The things of God, the things of his kingdom. Guys, this is the life we want. There is no other life outside of that. Any life outside of this is just a half a life. It's only halfway living. Halfway living is halfway dying at the same time. This is the life, guys. I want to encourage you. The last point is simply this. God appointed me to go and bear much fruit that will last. He appointed you. That's not an idea for some people. God said, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit that's going to last. Just ask yourself this morning, are you willing to cooperate with God on this? Are you willing to let God do his work? Will you do what some do and go, yeah, I don't know, and pull back a little bit? Because there won't be the fruit, there won't be the abiding, and there won't be the outflow. But if you go, yeah, I'm not going to fight you, God. Do your work, cultivate. (laughs) Cultivate. Do what you're good at. Cultivate. I know whatever you cultivate, 
The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, but Lord, whatever you cultivate, it's for multiplication. Go ahead and do it, God. If you can say that sincerely this morning, I think God wants to do something profound in your life and the life of our church. And I just ask you to join, join with me in prayer. If you would stand to your feet this morning. Um, I want to ask God to do something that will be very empowering and liberating and life-giving. Um, just with your eyes closed, standing in the presence of God this morning. The Lord's here with us this morning. And I just want you to just raise your hands if you're okay with that. If you're not, then you don't have to. But just between you and the Lord in this closing prayer, just say um, in the privacy of your own heart, Lord, we agree that um, we didn't choose you. You chose us first. You chose us and you appointed us. That means you gave us a mission, a plan. There's already some amazing thing already set up that you set up for us that we simply need to recognize and to walk it out. And all of this stuff, it's a lot of fruit. You want all these great overflowing, life-giving things to come out of us and we can't make it up, we can't create it. You're the life source. You're the true vine. We're not. But we choose to stay connected to you this morning, God. So I just want to pray for all of us, Lord. If that's agreement, just tell them in the privacy of your own heart. But God, whatever you want to do to trim, to prune, to cultivate, we say we don't want to fight you, God. We don't want to, we want to give you full reign and permission, Lord. We don't want to shrink back or pull away or say you can trim this area, but you can't trim that area. God, we just want to say we want what you appointed us for. You appointed us for fruit, not a little, for much fruit. That's your idea. That's your heart. That's your aim. Uh, and so, God, we just come before you this morning and we just say, whatever area of our life we've been holding back on the cultivation, whatever area of our life we've been saying, no, don't trim that, we just say this morning, God, those days are over. Those days are over. It's time for you to have your way. Whatever you trim, it's for the point of multiplication or maybe there's things that are bearing zero fruit in our life and you're like, yeah, that's not good for your future. I just need to trim that away for good. And there's other areas where you're like, Oh, there is fruit, and I'm pleased, but I want to do even greater. God, we come before you today, and we just ask that you would do abundantly and immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and that we would prove to be your disciples, not by working harder, but by being intimate with you and having an outflow that other people see the life of Jesus in us. We thank you for that. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.